30 seconds and counting. Astronauts report it feels good. T-minus 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You're listening to It's Not Rocket Surgery on 98.9 Northwest SM. Tower cleared. Here we got a roll program. Reporting the roll and pitch program. Not a proper heading. And good evening. Welcome to uh, It's Not Rocket Surgery. This is uh, Vlado once again for uh, episode 28 of uh, It's Not Rocket Surgery tonight on this uh, nice Sunday night here in downtown Hadfield. And uh, in the studio, I have a uh, return guest co-host, John. Welcome back, John. Uh, yep. <laughs> How you doing? Man of little words. Yes. I'm good, good. How are you? Uh, yeah, pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Good weekend. So. Good weekend. Mm. It's nice weather. Apart from the rain overnight, but yeah, and this morning, wet the clothes on the line. Oh, well. Uh, well. Also joining us as soon as I figure out how to get him off hold and onto the air <laughs> is Russ. Russ, I, if you're <laughs> if you're listening, I apologise. I did try to get you while we're uh, booting up, but uh, what I'll do is uh, we'll, we'll go into a song real early tonight. Yep, and uh, we'll sort that out. And I thought, given. Um, Given, what what song are we going to play? Given we just heard mm. Under Pressure mm. I just I automatically thought of this song So mm. uh, This one Is It's for the ladies of the late show Right, right. It is It is It is uh, what, what happens when you improve on a classic <laughs> Improve Alright <laughs> Just sacrilege Alright so um, We've got an ad There's an ad here We'll go to an ad and uh, go straight to a song, and then while we do that, I'll try to get Russ off hold and onto the air with us. Sounds good. So we'll be back in a few minutes. And we'll let that fade off. <coughs> Vanilla ice. Ice, ice, baby. And hopefully we'll have Russ, Russ, baby. Hey there, Russ. Yeah, let me just turn you on up, sorry. <laughs> Excellent. How's things, Russ? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Has it been a while? Back home and uh, enjoying the wonder of technology that, uh, you know, doing better than last week. You're phoning it in. <laughs> <laughs> so you get you get automatic uh, feedback into the, into the show right, as opposed to last week where you actually had to wait a whole day or two before you listened to the podcast. I think it was uh, a 70 hour delay. I listened to that <laughs> and then live tweeted the whole thing. Yeah, I know. That was very cruel of you. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's been a few weeks since you were in here last. Yep. So how's things been? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, you know, the uh, the joys of the, uh, the the pub crawl on Friday night. Yes, so yes. I, uh, a marvelous opportunity, and I have to, to uh, have to say a big thank you for uh, agreeing to phone in the uh, the the guest co-host because at the time I wasn't sure what was going on, but yep. uh, now I'm, I'm, I have a plethora of 
guest uh, co-host. No, no, I'm not over. It's it's right. <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere between one and two is good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's all good. So, and what a show we have in store for our listeners. If you want to join in on the on on the show, uh, you can SMS the station. I believe that's working today, but I haven't tested it. On zero double four double seven double seven nine eight nine. You can get us on Twitter or at Rocket Surgery without the vowels, R-C-K-T-S-R-G-R-Y, or on our Facebook page. And there's been some activity on both of those. Mm, do tell. Our, uh, our regular guest co-host, Wall, he said, uh, what did he say? He said, being under pressure is no excuse for putting on vanilla ice. Oh. Hey, Rob Van Winkle's got another comeback tour coming up, so... Really? Uh, apparently. <laughs> That'll be interesting. <laughs> How many times can you play Ice Ice Baby <laughs> during a concert? All right, and this time with drums. Acoustic version. <laughs> Gospel version? I can, I can see him sitting there and doing the acoustic version, which is like more than words. Ice Ice Baby... <laughs> No, Acapella. Acapella. Yeah. yeah. No. No. Um, you going to that, Russ? Yeah. No? I can see that. No? I'll right. go if you go. No. Um, my better half's going to the uh, the Rick Astley concert oh. at the end of this month. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if you're listening, darling, <laughs> I might play some Rick Astley for you later. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Like I told Wallace, I said, if you don't like what we play, you should be in here, but you're not. So he says, uh, he's going to have a say, don't worry. Is Rick Astley back in the mailroom? You know, didn't he? Wasn't your mailroom sort of guy? And Was he? Someone heard him singing. Hmm. I don't know. Oh, I know. And most people I know, I know who um, who have asked hmm. have said, the first time they heard Rick Astley, they thought he was black. Where are you? And then they saw him and they saw this <laughs> transparent ranger. <laughs> Never gonna give you up. Is it an amoeba? You know those little single cell organisms that are see through. Yeah, yeah. Is he amoeba? Yeah, I think he's got more than one cell though. <laughs> more than one brain cell. He's only got one song. He's only got one. Oh, sorry, that's a mistake I made. Uh, turning yeah. on the listeners, huh? No, I'm not turning on. I'm not turning you on, right, Wall? Hopefully not. Well, why aren't you in here? He's, he's off. He's. He's on a leaving on a jet plane early tomorrow morning, so oh, yeah, he needs to get some sleep. But that's mm. no excuse. Well, it's the reason he gave. So yeah. Uh, and on Facebook, we've got Rowan and and uh, Reg engaging in their usual banter, entertaining themselves in with the uh, in the absence of any entertainment coming over the airwaves. <laughs> um, and uh, Rowan's posted on the uh, "It's Not Rocket Surgery" Facebook page. Uh, geek and nerd now positive terms. I think geek is nerd still has some negative connotations. What's the difference? Except for the people who think it's the other way around, because yeah, that's never quite been worked out. Who thinks it's the other way around? Nerds? Uh, some Americans I've met. They use nerd as the term of endearment. Yeah. Mm. I saw a, an illustration which had a, a the differences between geeks and nerds, and basically said geeks. Was it a Venn diagram? <laughs> Mutually <laughs> exclusive. No, it was it was an infographic, and uh, it had a picture of a geek um, on the right hand side, and he was in Star Wars, and he had a, a authentic replica of a lightsaber, and he had all these other cool things. And the nerd on the other side was all Star Trek, 
and um, <laughs> and he had uh, had us be Klingon and all that sort of basically. And that was that was the this, this person, this illustrator. That's how he distinguished geek from nerd. I would argue that's probably oversimplifying it because there are um, us who like both. So that either makes us that might make us neeks or girds. 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 Yeah. yeah. So you're the in, in the Venn diagram. You're the intersection. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. mutually exclusive. That's what I. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but which one's cooler? Star Wars, obviously. Uh, they're both cool in their own way. Don't. No. Don't. I, I think it depends just how keen you are that makes the difference. Yes. Uh, how how much of an enthusiast you are. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, good point. Good point. Already bringing value to the show, Ross. <laughs> oh, I know. I'll uh, I'll go back to what you see now. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so we should talk about the show. Um, what we got? So I've got a rant. I've got a rant. Um, uh, and we'll briefly talk about the news. Alcohol. You know, talk about alcohol. Given that we had the pub crawl on Friday. Mm. Um, for those people who weren't on the pub crawl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You missed out on a good one. Uh, was it good? Because I went on the last one. And, it, yeah. it was actually it was actually smaller than usual, but the intimacy was good. I don't, didn't mind it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> actually, <laughs> it wasn't like that. I wish I was. It wasn't a nude pub crawl. Oh, right. That'll make things interesting. Yeah, right. <laughs> Isn't a mini pub crawl just going to the pub? The mini pub crawl? A mini pub crawl. I don't know. It could be. Uh, that happens every Friday. That's a subset of a pub crawl. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think no. that falls out of the entire pub crawl Venn diagram. Yeah, we dropped the Venn diagram. Yeah, no. yeah. Mm. Um, but the nude pub crawl that'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gravel rush at the end. <laughs> um, at the end of what though? <laughs> um, so alcohol, the Darwin Awards. Thought we'd talk about the Darwin Awards. Um, Micronations. Now this is this is something that I've. Um, uh, just is it where uh, micro breweries are? No. Oh, right. Sorry, got that wrong. Completely different. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. Could be. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'll just shut up. <laughs> no, no. You I, don't I, I'm, I'm sure the, uh, the the Fitzroy Brewing Company would be happy to succeed into Fitzrovia. 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 Yeah, could be. Yeah. I'm sure, and it'll probably get um, reduced taxes as well. Um, so you'll talk about micronations and what they are and uh, how long they've been around for and, and some interesting ones and uh, and we'll do our regular top ten and, and stuff like that. Mm. Um, yeah. What's going on? There's another tweet. There's another tweet. <gasps> I got a text. Go on, shoot. We're listening to you right now. You rock. We rock. We rock. We better play oh, a rock yeah. song. That's from uh, Rosh and uh, Marika. Hey, oh, ladies. Hey. Oh, no, Rosh isn't. Marika is. Marika is. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> Apologise. Rosh? <laughs> oh, I didn't say that. All right. Oh, anyway. Already alienated the new listeners. Yeah, well, there goes the two. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Russ is... Uh, Russ. Walls tweeted, Hey, it's not my fault that I still have to have some sleep. Soft. <sighs> Harden up. If there are any songs in here related to tissues or marshmallows, let's see. Tears on my pillow. Tears on my, my pillow. pillow. Marsh. Nothing on marsh. Something by Let It Rain by Amanda Marshall. Mm, sounds a bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, we won't do that. Tissues. T i s s. Scar tissue. Could play that. That's oh, that's not the top uh, of red, red hot red, chili peppers. Red hot chili peppers. Yeah. 
Oh, we won't play anything from Inspiration. So, so that's what we're going to be talking about. It is 10.49 already. Oh, no. 10.49. It's flying. Yeah. Have a stuff up on the phone and, and yeah. a few songs and it, it, time flies. Star Wars versus Star Trek. But it's better than last week's stuff up where we didn't have any um, <laughs> any stream. And, and the temperature didn't work. I couldn't even do a temperature call because it was just a question mark <laughs> last week. So at least it's, Who knows? I know, it's 13 degrees outside and it's 21.1 inside here. So, but, uh, you know, we, do, we, we make do. It's community radio. It's 98.9 Northwest FM. It's not rocket surgery. We need to do another station break um, and we'll come back and we'll, I might see if I can find another song to play. Ooh, oh, oh, look, you want to play a song? Yeah, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. We'll see? All right. All right. All right, we need to do a station break and we'll be back with a song. And we're back. Do I still have you, Russ? Yep. Good. I didn't turn you off. <laughs> I um, I was just sitting here and thinking, I've, I've, I've turned the telephone off. I hope that doesn't hang up on him. Yeah. I was like, it was. It, you went to the song and it's like, I think I'm probably still on air, so I'll just stay silent. <laughs> it was a good call because actually it was a few seconds before I realised that I still had the yeah. phone on. So you look. Yeah, we're professional. We're professionals here. Oh, hell yeah. 98.9 Northwest FM. Wait a minute. Professional, like you get paid to be on community radio. Actually, no, I pay for the privilege. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the station's professional because you pay them. Yeah. No, yeah. basically because it's all the costs. So, so no one's professional. No, not here yeah. anyway. Yeah. We look, look. It's a professional organisation, but we're just not paid. Yeah. yeah. Unpaid professionals. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> we do it out of the goodness of our hearts. Um, all right, you got a song for us. Uh, yeah. yeah this, right, let's go. Is this a song that I heard on the pub crawl that I, I texted? And you texted me, but I was sick and I was asleep in bed. But you didn't answer me until the next morning, so that's well, That's right. why, because I was sick. I know, yeah, that's good. Right. Let's no. not fight about it. No, 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 no right. not fight. Okay, all right. Um, all right. Radio, I think I just press this button. Yes, that's technology for you. All right. And... Dun, 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 dun. Here we go. Here we go. That was a long song. That's not my name. You know, I like that one? No, it's all right. Could I just dedicate that song to Hamid? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Post-dedication. <laughs> Is he listening? Uh, probably not. <laughs> Isn't he still on his honeymoon? No, he got back on the weekend. All right. Mm. How was it? Email and link to the podcast. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> uh, so that was for Hamid. Hamid, I'm speaking to you from the past. Ah, because if he's listening, mm, yeah, if he's listening to the podcast, mm. um, what the hell? Another station breaks come up. This is oh, what? They're, they're, oh, somebody's playing jokes on me. Um, it is ten fifty eight. I'll actually, actually, this one's going to disappear at eleven. So I'm going to play it right now. Go. And we're back. That was quick. Ninety eight point nine Northwest FM. That was our sponsor breaks. Very important sponsor breaks. All right. So we're getting get into our first. Actually. Before we get into our first topic, mm. my, my rant. I'll keep it quick. All right, go. Inspired by a uh, a fellow blogger who's uh, who tweeted this one uh, today about um, something that really annoys me. Mm. Um, people who get into the express lane at the shopping centres with twelve with the twelve or more items with more than twelve items. What? Or with a shopping trolley All with right. more than twelve All items right. in it. So his his tweet was about 
shopping trolleys. He, uh-huh. he said, when I'm ruler of the world, <laughs> there'll be no shopping trolleys in the express lane or in the, uh, in the self-serve. Now, I don't agree with him on the self-serve side of things. If you want to self-serve a trolley full of shopping, to be, well, be my guest. Yeah. And the real... The, none of the uh, shopping centres I've ever been to actually have a limit on the on the uh, number of items you can take through self serve. Mm. But express lane, twelve items or less, or ten items or less, whichever brand of shopping centre shopping uh, you do. Mm. If you go take, if you take one item more, I can actually take a photo of you, put you up on the wall, and you're not allowed to back in that that complex. Wow. That's it. What well, can I just? I'd take zero zero tolerance policy. Zero tolerance. <laughs> no three strikes and you. No, out. no. Look, no. if they're going to be in, inconsiderate of other people, and and just if they can't count to ten, they don't deserve well, the privilege they don't of the expression. <laughs> we're not we're not adopting the uh, Saudi <laughs> model here. It is just all right. Look. You're going to be inconveniencing other people. Um, we're going to inconvenience you, so you can actually go to the next suburb across and use their Safeway or Coles. Well, can I just say that once I was, I had the the hand trolley yep. thingy, you know, the basket mm-hmm. even, and I had my cat tins in there for my cat. Yep. Well, no, actually, I didn't get paid that week, so they were for me. But you know, <laughs> and I had more than fifteen items. Yep. And the the servant, or the well, servant, that sounds a bit... Anyway. The check out chick. Check out chick. She said, no, no, come through. You've just got a hand basket. So, so come through. So technically you could have 15 hand baskets. Well, no, she might have taken... <laughs> That's a bit silly. Exception to that. No, but the fact is that I had a hand numerous items in the hand basket. No. And she but didn't count them. You were invited, but I would argue that's... Yeah, I was invited. Invitation only, members. (laughs) (laughs) Members not only. (laughs) There's a person there, sorry. Members members only tonight. Sorry, sir. You're going to have to go through the regular. I was just an... I guess I'm an A-list celebrity at that particular purveyor of fine foods, but... mm. Come this way, JT. Mm, mm, mm. What do you reckon, Russ? Well, that actually reminds me of an experience I had at the, uh, the cafeteria at work a couple of months back where... During the middle of the lunch rush, where they, you know, getting everyone moving through the queue, nice and quick past the checkout, and there was uh, the person who'd reached the front of the queue was like faffing around and playing with a wallet and going, "Oh, do I pay with this or do I pay with that? Oh, I've got enough money." Talking to the, the girl at the checkout, "Oh, how's the weather been? It's all fantastic." And then looked around and seen this enormous queue banked up and gone, "How lucky is that? I always get there just before the queue falls." <laughs> Cause and effect, some people just don't really have that worked out. See, that's it. This person would have a photo at your calf and say, look, you need to go somewhere else. There's a subway around the corner or something. Just rack off. I'd love to be yeah. this person. I think they have a great life. They <laughs> look in the mirror of their car and go, gee, look at that accident just happened behind me. <laughs> Glad I missed that. How lucky am I? <laughs> Exactly. Look at that person I just shot in the head. Look, I'm always on the other end of the gun. How lucky am I? Wow, yeah. that, that, that is the... Uh, that, look, that, a poster child for optimists. <laughs> God. Uh, I, I don't feel so angry about my, my rant now. I salute, I salute that person. I think they... <laughs> All right, so... Yeah. <laughs> we'll um, we'll get into the, uh, the 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 subject matter alcohol. Mm. 
All right. So this was prompted by the, the pub crawl. I thought, well, mm-hmm. given that we had the pub crawl on Friday, we've got to talk about alcohol. So um, I had a few items that I'd, I had uh, bookmarked some time ago. Oh. Um, and one of them's a um, thing at The Oatmeal, a website called The Oatmeal. Oh. Um, and uh, 20 things worth knowing about beer. Now, this is not the top 10. This is just an interesting infra- infographic that um, I thought would go through uh, just quickly to th- tell people about beer that... That uh, the ancient Babylonians were the first to brew beer. Oh, I thought it was the Vikings, but yeah. we'll get to the Vikings. Oh, so they oh sorry. Pardon? They yep. made mead. Mead, the Vikings. Mead. Yeah. Yes, they did. Ah, oh, right. But I mean, with a brewing stick. <laughs> I have a brewing stick. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. So, and, and in fact, that the, the uh, ancient um, Babylonians took it so seriously. If you brewed a bad batch, yeah. they would drown you in the in the beer. That's serious stuff. Got a few mates who try and do that. Join themselves in beer. No, they had some. You could go you on. Could fit a lot of people in a vat of four eggs. <laughs> Half a Queensland should be joining. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened in Snowtown. <laughs> oh. What, too soon? <laughs> too soon, <laughs> too sorry. Soon. How many years ago was it? <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, dear. All right, um, apparently they made beer out of camel poop. So, I don't know if that's accurate. Um, beer is mostly composed of water, which isn't particularly interesting. <laughs> what is interesting, however, that uh, the water in certain regions were originally better suited for making certain types of beer. For example, Guinness. Dublin's beer is high in minerals, hence why... Yeah. You need to use actual Dublin water for Guinness. So what about the... Do they make it... Do they brew it local? Uh, they do. Here? It doesn't taste the same. Yeah, okay. Actually, a friend of ours actually had uh, an idea... Yeah, the plan for the pipeline. The pipeline. He wanted to pipe Irish water from... <laughs> no, no, not, not Irish water. They'd actually run a pipeline from the Guinness brewery oh, right. all the way across the, the seabed to Australia. That makes that makes oh, more sense. Yeah. There's yeah, no yeah, point brewing it here. Guinness. It's all downhill. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> That's right, the pipeline. Um, I don't know where that's gone with <laughs> development. How's it going for investors at, to that one? I think it's still stuck at the council level. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and uh, yes, in the Middle Ages, uh, clean water was uh, often difficult to find. Many people chose to drink beer instead of uh, a water because the alcohol made it safer. <laughs> So, and in 1814, a brewery tank containing 3,500 barrels of beer ruptured, causing a tidal wave of beer through the through a London parish. Two houses were demolished, and nine people died. <laughs> what what too, a way to go! Two sisters. The great tsunami of 1814. The beer tsunami <laughs> yes. of 1814. Um, so it's, it's apparently it's better to store your uh, beer upright than uh, lying down because it doesn't you don't get the contaminants from the lid. Yeah. Vikings believed that a giant goat whose udders provided an endless supply of beer were, was awaiting for them in Valhalla. That sounds like the kind of thing you would have in Valhalla. Oh, uh, look, I mean, <laughs> if you're going to die, you want a goat l- l- with beer-laden udders that you can suck off. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, we got know. we got an SMS. Mm. Um, hi, GI here. 
Mead was made from honey. Yes, we know GI. Mead made from honey. The Vikings did drink mead. Who's GI? GI is from the Haberdashery Show and from sports of all sorts. One of my mentors ah, taught me everything I know. Right, except and, about except how to use a telephone. <laughs> <laughs> and about mead. <laughs> and about he's a he's a fellow engineer. Ah, right. <clears throat> um, now. Uh, so and there's a few other facts there on the uh, if you just look up the oatmeal um, and beer Pilgrims on the Mayflower stopped at Plymouth Rock rather than continuing to Virginia because they ran out of beer <laughs> beer stop beer stop <laughs> uh, goes into prohibition how beer is made some interesting facts um, and you can categorise beer in many ways one, the, one way is a mouthful how it feels in the mouth Mm. Michael Jackson died on the August the 30th, 2007. Michael Jackson was an author and beer critic who helped start the renaissance and interest in beer in the 1970s. Really? I didn't uh, think that... I don't think so. No. Before that, people just weren't in. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. But look, there has been a, a revival in the uh, the <coughs> microbreweries or the craft brews. Yes. Before the beer, I mean, I look, not, before the 1970s, I wasn't really into beer. No. <laughs> Otherwise, neither was I. Even during the 70s, the early 70s, the more breast milk was my <laughs> my game. But um, even look, even from when I was at uni, I mean, microbreweries and, and craft beers weren't really. There are a few here and there, but not not like there is now. Well, you want cheap beer when you're at uni, don't you? That's true. Uh, Geelong bitter. Oh. <laughs> That was your your brew of the, choice. The the excellent uh, engineering student association <laughs> beer provided at functions. I see, Nothing quite like it. My memories of uh, of those functions was more the uh, the fruit tingles for the for the ladies. So that, uh, elaborate. Uh, the young engineers evening at the metro when before it was the Palace Theatre. Yes, the metro. We had a young engineers evening, and um, my better half hit the fruit tingles pretty hard. And then she broke the breathalyzer downstairs. <laughs> She's adamant that it was broken anyway. <laughs> sure. But no, we, she went down and the other guy, everyone tested it and got a reading and then she, she blew into this thing and it's just analyzing, analyzing, analyzing. We stood around for five minutes and go, what's going on? So we left, we came back down, so still sort of analyzing, analyzing, analyzing. Time to go home, but like three hours later and just still out, out of order sticker on it. <laughs> Those fruit tingles. They have to send away to NASA to do the calculations on her um, <coughs> blood alcohol level? Yeah, I don't think she was actually... It was 100%, I reckon. <laughs> Does not compute! <laughs> so, um, so that was the uh, 20... Oh, part of the 20 in- interesting facts about uh, alcohol. Another... One of the articles uh, that I had bookmarked from a while back, April... Alcohol sparks creativity, says scientists. True. Russ, what do you reckon? Ah, absolutely. Although one thing that sort of amused me about that article is they've, uh, they've you know, it, it de-inhibits your thinking processes, and they uh, they mentioned, for instance, add a word that goes with the following: blue cottage Swiss. Cheese. And if you want to cheese, you're probably drunk. It's like. I'm not drunk, but like, cheese is obviously the thing that goes with all those three words. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought when I read this article. What the hell? What else goes with these, these words? Like mountain? Mountain, like, yeah. That, uh, which is the, the answer they suggest. And yeah. it's like, what? No. 
Swiss Mountain. Yeah, not really. Uh, <laughs> Blue Mountain. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe if you're from Sydney. Cottage uh, Mountain? What the hell's a Cottage Mountain? Well, maybe uh, if you're drunk, you get to that conclusion a lot quicker. No. Or they're saying it's the reverse. Basically, cheese is the you're drunk if you say cheese. So look, it's look, it's a flawed article, but I thought it it does suggest they had some merits in terms of yeah. reducing your your inhibitions and and trying to do things differently or you think mm. laterally. <clears throat> but that contradicts yeah, something. Martini lunch, excellent. Martini lunch. The, uh, get the creative juices flowing. <laughs> look and look. Speaking speaking from experience. Um, the uh, uh, pub lunch, it just it doesn't really encourage work afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> you tend to want to go to sleep and it's, it makes the afternoon quite difficult. No, I ah, actually... You see, the, the difference there is with a pub lunch, you've also got a palmer sitting in your belly that you've got to digest. Mm, if you oh. just have the beer, that's the whole thing. Oh, all right. So the problem's a palmer, not the beer. Yep. Uh, uh, G.I.'s texted in again. What's the difference between a lager and a draft? It tastes different. Yeah, one. Yeah, um, one's a lager, the other's a draft. Price? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, don't. What do, is do we Russ? Care? Do you know? No, no. Well, well, we'll look it up during the next song. One's a horse and one's a cold draft. draft. Horse. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Foster's lager. Actually, you know about alcohol uh, pub lunch? Mm. I find I come up with solutions to engineering problems quite the more quickly. After a pub lunch. Really? Because I just don't care anymore. <laughs> more quickly. More quickly. Yeah, more quickly, era. Because <laughs> I just don't care. The question is, are these problems um, ones that arose after the last pub lunch because you're <laughs> 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 tanked? Uh, it's uh, good stuff. Um, but that uh, article which says it uh, sparks creativity, supposedly, says scientists... In the title, it says science. Says science. It's better than they. They, they say. They say. Um, there was an article in the BBC about a year ago now, which was from a. Um, uh, they interviewed a an anthropologist. Uh, viewpoint is alcohol the alcohol message all wrong? It says many people think that heavy drinking causes promiscuity violence and antisocial behaviour. That's not necessarily true, argues Kate Fox. I'm a social anthropologist, but what I do is not the traditional uh, intrepid sort of anthropology, where you go and study strange tribes in places with mud huts and monsoons and malaria. So she actually studies the British people. (laughs) (laughs) And the difference between... (laughs) And and look, and she argues that, look, it's only... Uh, cultures like the UK, Australia, the US um, that have this perception that uh, you get drunk, you get mm. violent mm. And, and dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, in cultures that don't have that preconceived idea of uh, being inebriated, mm. they don't have the, the violence and, uh, and um, drunken disorderly issues that uh, the, these nations have, the white Anglo nations so, that, and she argues that, like the Mediterranean, who have a, a, a considerable culture of wine drinking and ouzo, and um, that they don't have the same sort of uh, issues related with uh, alcohol-related violence. So, but having grown up in a wog family, <laughs> I see holes in her argument 
from <laughs> from a mile away. Um, but yeah, it's and so she argues that basically it's it's because we think we're going to get drunk and get violent. It, it allows us to do things that we wouldn't normally do. So it uh, it's a it's a chicken and the egg thing. So we think well, if we if we get drunk, we can actually be violent and we can be promiscuous. It's it's almost like a whole pa- uh, like a free pass. Yeah. Well, to do these things, I have to get drunk. So let's get drunk and then I can do it. I mean, really, there's nothing stopping you from doing these things if you weren't drunk, except. True, but it's the more disapproval of your peers. This, <laughs> like they approve more when you. Oh, sorry, he was drunk. <laughs> he was drunk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Punch me in the mouth. Like, he was drunk. He'd never sleep with her if she wasn't. <laughs> if he wasn't drunk, there's That's no way right, he would have slept with yeah. her. That's all right. Yeah. We've all been there. How can promiscuity and antisocial be in the same sort of? Don't they? Well, that's that, that's, yeah, that's the contra- that's yeah. one of the contradictions. It's sort of like if you're antisocial, you're not going to be promiscuous. Hey? No, I think Unless, it's a very social. Well, activity. I guess you could <laughs> be promiscuous with yourself. <laughs> Still being social, just with yourself. <laughs> Solo social. So, well, an operator? Isn't that <laughs> <what> you- <laughs> yes, you could call it that. Uh, yes, uh, I, th- I think we need to do a uh, another station break. Has come up. And we'll go straight into a song, and um, we'll, we'll, we'll tackle the next topic on the uh, on the on the running sheet. But uh, so, so station break, and I'll go straight into a song. So you'll hear us in about four or so minutes. So it's not rocket surgery. Eleven seventeen. Wow. Um, Ninety-eight point nine Northwest FM. Rex in effect. All I want to do is zoom, 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 and a boom, boom. Just shake your rump. Rump shaker. What year? 1992. Wow. A lifetime ago. Yeah. 20 years. Yeah. Half a lifetime ago. Well, Depending. not yet. Almost. <laughs> yeah. Almost half a lifetime. Um, so, yeah, 1992. Jeez. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> The coffee I've made. I'll do it. Pardon? Lost my thoughts. Lost your thoughts for a moment. Yeah, I'm just. I, I've got my computer set up to play continuously. I haven't re- reconfigured it since the uh, the party I DJed a couple of weeks ago. So I've got to be uh, cautious as to what it goes into next. So. <laughs> <laughs> Given the song it went into, you should consider having sex with a bearded man by the beards. That was the next song that it didn't get played, thankfully. Huh. Um, all right, a few a few uh, text mes- messages coming into the uh, studio. Uh, the show. Oh, sorry, there's one. Uh, scroll down. Uh, promiscuity antisocial, promiscuously antisocial. Another one for the uh, highlight show. You guys are like watching a clown in a minefield. <laughs> the show has improved massively since you gave that anchor Walla hevo. I didn't give him a hevo. <laughs> Who is that? I from? don't know who this is. Um, Wall's brother? <laughs> could be. Could be Jeff. Um, I don't recognise the number. Uh, you know, you he was only holding me back. That's not true. Wall, Wall's a valuable team member. So, um, and I believe he's coming in next week after he goes to a uh, uh, gala. Coming coming straight from a gala next week. Gala. Will he be wearing a tie? Probably a tuxedo. Do we have webcam? Ooh, I don't th- he, he might have to hire the tie, though. 
<laughs> that's 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 for a different show. Actually, we'll bring it up next week with whether he's borrowed somebody else's tie. Um, <laughs> whether it goes wow wow bungee <laughs> bungee tie. tie. What's wrong with a bungee tie? No, um, I had one when I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I I still don't know how to tie ties. I never went to a private school or anything. So um, my wife <laughs> ties my ties. So. Look. <laughs> To get married for something. Is that your wedding vows? <laughs> you <laughs> promise to tie your ties. Um, no, it's not in my wedding vows. No. Darwin Awards. Mm. Look, these things have been around for ages. For those people who don't know what the Darwin Awards are, Darwin Awards uh, award posthumously mm. <laughs> to people who not have necessarily not necessarily. No. Uh, people who have extracted themselves through from the gene pool. So basically, most of the time it's it's via death, mm. um, but there are instances where they basically <laughs> destroyed their genitalia or something like that. So, um, but yeah, each year they go through all the uh, the stories that you probably see in the odd spot on on the Age or uh, or in the MX newspaper. Say, so, man in Ohio shoots himself in the gonads. So. But uh, the Darwin Awards, uh, uh, yeah, since 1993, I believe, or thereabouts, um, been awarding people uh, the Darwin Award for most innovative, most interesting way of removing oneself from the gene pool. Um, and I read one on the Darwin Awards website, mm. um, which I thought I would is worth a read. Um, were there any rust that you liked? Uh, I didn't actually get that far through this year's worth. So no. uh, all I saw was the uh, the. Well, actually, I guess we'll come back to that if you uh, if you hit the uh, the Brazilian bus event. All right, well, we can we can cover the Brazilian Brazilian bus event now if you like. <laughs> Does it mean a whole lot of people got waxed on that song? And we'll find out. Um, Stay tuned. Um, yes. Go on. Oh yeah. So the uh, the short form was a uh, a bus travelling through the uh, the narrow streets of Serra, Serra. I don't know in Brazil. Okay, Serra, um, Serra. Exactly. And uh, one of the passengers has uh, stuck their uh, their upper torso out of the out of the bus to uh, wave their arms around and yell at people for some reason or other. And given the narrow streets and the uh, the bus drivers not expecting someone to stick themselves out of the bus has uh, been collected by a pole and that was uh, that was the end of them. But the interesting thing about that is apparently according to the uh, the official however official it gets DarwinAwards.com website, they won't award the uh, a Darwin Award to this individual because they were fourteen and they don't think that uh, that, that counts. Which strikes me as odd because surely it means you're far more likely to remove yourself from the uh, reproductive pool if you manage to stupidly kill yourself before you're likely to... Uh, have conceived. I mean, well, 14, I guess you, you may well have, but... Um, yeah, it's like, I don't see why there should be a lower limit to this. No, no, I think it should apply to all and sundry. Did they say come back next year <laughs> when you're older? <laughs> nice try, but... <laughs> Two things you can't do as a 14-year-old. Join Facebook, <laughs> win a Darwin Award. <laughs> Everything else is all right. Uh, that's wrong. 
Yeah, no, look, I, I, dis- I completely agree with you, Russ, that you can't put that lower limit on the, on the age group. And the thing is, look, they, they'll award it to somebody who's had kids but then redu- um, died and or... And killed themselves stupidly, yeah. So their, their genes go on via their, uh, their, their children. So they haven't yeah. removed themselves from the gene pool. They just removed themselves from contributing any more to the gene pool. Right. Mm, so I think that's, that's that. probably a loophole. A loophole? A loophole. A loophole. <laughs> a loophole that uh, we should actually get onto the Darwin Award people. Um, one that I saw that I quite liked was um, the Korean, I think one of the winners from last year. That wasn't the link that I wanted. Um, basically, it was a Korean dude. Dude? Dude. Dude. <laughs> um, who, I think it was winner or runner-up last year, so... Um, let's see if I can find that wheelchair one. Um, basically, he uh, <laughs> do- the doors of a uh, a lift closed early. Uh, well, before he could get in, and he was really upset with uh, with that that he missed the um, the doors. And uh, he started ramming his wheelchair into the uh, the doors of the elevator in in protest. And sure enough, he broke through the doors and plummeted to his death. Because it was an empty, well, lift was an elevator shaft. That's right. And uh, yes, he and basically rage kills and so does gravity. But as that's, as that's either some really weak lift doors or a pretty solidly built uh, individual in a wheelchair. <laughs> Could be. Maybe he was in the Abrams tank version of the wheelchair or something. I don't know. What's, oh, yeah. As, as an engineering person, I find that a little hard to believe. You find it hard to believe? Well, yeah. As Russ said, that either he's, for want of a better word, some piss weak <laughs> doors. <laughs> it's on the website. It was oh, on the website. It must be true. It must be true. Sorry. Internet. Was it South or North Korea? <laughs> it could have been North. Yeah, look, if it, was, if it was North, we wouldn't have heard about it. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, so, but uh, apparently the uh, some a, pl- a planking guy who died um, did well and came second in last year's, so it wasn't th- that one. Um, but I did read it. Actually, I might have it on my... Just going over to the laptop, seeing if I've still got the window open for the uh, Korean Korean one. No, I closed it. I thought it would be there, but falling in love, no. Never mind. Anyway, so check them out, Darwin Awards. Um, any other notable ones? Look, the, 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 people dine all the time. I like the one about, my favourite was, and I don't know if this is true, the Jato rocket, which is jet-assisted uh, takeoff. The one they did on the, um, Mythbusters? Yeah, where a dude stra- <laughs> strapped it to a, a this rocket pack, I guess, that helps aircraft take off in a short distance. Strapped it to the top of his car, and and being solid fuel rockets, they sort of not really controllable. You, <laughs> you turn them on, and then you wait till they're done. <laughs> but they, they do what they want to do. They, they keep going. <laughs> and uh, the dude in question, uh, I don't know, crashed into a hill or something. X number of feet wasn't, in the air. Wasn't in in Arizona, and this road went for ages. <laughs> And then there was a, a basically a left-hand turn because there was a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> he went careening into the cliff. 
Look, I think this one, that one was more for Snopes, and they determined that it actually never happened. And yeah, I I like to think that it did happen, but I'm not sure if it did. No reason why you can't actually have fun and laugh at <laughs> fictitious Someone people. Else. Yeah, um, right. another another text message coming into the station. Uh, Vlada, you realise you've just thrown the ambulance chases a lifeline by opening up a whole new avenue of litigation with Darwin Awards lawsuits. Uh, yes, probably. <laughs> Um, and on the Twitter, we've got a tweet. Yes, great tie joke <laughs> from from Wall. <laughs> Look, we're nothing if we're not predictable. It's fine. Um, we'll talk about that next week. Men of science. Mm. Yeah. Um, Men of engineering. Engineering. Well, well. which, which is the language of. In, look, engineering is the basically the user interface to science. <laughs> what, oh, yeah. what did the Big Bang Theory say? They said the slower, <laughs> the slower younger brother of science. <laughs> I am. Um, I actually heard a uh, um, one of the podcasts I've gotten into is called uh, it, it's Brian Cox from. Oh, the, uh, yeah. He uh, he does a, a, a podcast. Brian Cox from uh, Infinite. I was about to say In Sync, but uh, no, that was uh, the other boy band. Can only get D Ream. D Ream. That's yeah. When you put metal back into the hole. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, engineering joke. Aircraft strike. D Ream. Oh, that's so sad. Uh, Even I uh, acknowledge that's sad. Uh, um, no, from D Ream. Now here's a podcast um, on BBC Four. Uh, he and a few other people um, have this uh, podcast called... It's a half-hour show. They do live on the radio, but they also podcast it, called The Infinite Monkey Cage. And uh, last week, um, earlier this week, I listened to one from a few years ago called uh, Is Philosophy Dead? But basically, it was basically philosophy bagging science, science bagging philosophy, and then they started hitting on... Starting hitting. Started attacking mathematics, and then... Engineering came in for a bit of a smackdown as well, so it was definitely worth, worth listening Rumble to. Rumble in the jungle, smackdown, smackdown <laughs> between the mathletes and the look, skinny, skinny white guys. If you think <laughs> we're nerdy, listen to the Infant Monkey Cage podcast. Definitely worth. Actually, I um I heard a uh, a thing with Brian Cox talking on this was a couple of years ago, where he uh, made a thermodynamic argument against the existence of an afterlife. Um, you know, giving you know, thought requires energy. There's obviously some energy dissipation. So if there's an infinite afterlife, then where does all the energy come from? And made a, a thermodynamic, thermodynamic argument, which led to the question of, or the, the thought experiment of a scientist or engineer waking up in heaven and then just going, wait, well, so how do fridges work? <laughs> in this house, we obey the second thermodynamics. <laughs> I uh, love it. All right, so we'll, uh, it's 11.36 already. Jeez, time is flying. All right, I've got a song, three-minute song off YouTube to play. Mm. It's related to the Darwin Awards. Mm. It uh, comes care of the folks at Melbourne, Australia, the Metro Trains. They've commissioned a, 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 a three-minute video to discourage people from uh, from being morons near train tracks. Surfing? So, so they've... Con- no? They've... Con- They've uh, commissioned a super catchy, weird, adorable music video categorising all the dumbest ways to die. <laughs> Some interesting... <laughs> so basically, this is a public service announcement, care of Metro Trains. Um, 
and I'm going to play it for you. Uh, yes, it's available on, on the internet. So there's a catchy little animation that goes along with it, but the uh, the, the lyrics alone are worth worth a, a go. So enjoy the uh, <laughs> the absurdly cheerful music video <laughs> about all the dumb dumbest ways to die. And we're back. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, background noise. That's <laughs> good. Just adding to the craziness that is, it's not rocket surgery. 11.41, yes, that was a public service announcement from uh, the Metro trains. It's brilliant. It is good. What, <laughs> what, I, what I don't get is like... Grizzly bears, piranhas, rattlesnakes. If, like, as a Melburnian, you manage to get yourself <laughs> killed by a grizzly bear, that actually, that takes some serious effort, I think. Like, you should get a thumbs up. A medal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you, we have a zoo. Yeah. Look, actually, yeah, that's, that's a good point. And there's a guy in Brooklyn Zoo who, who was attacked by, the, by a tiger a few weeks back. When he jumped from the monorail into the tiger's den, <laughs> and he ended up breaking both his legs and his hip. And the tiger came out. The tiger came over to inspect. The, and he the tiger me, went, "Come on, at least like give me something to work with here." Sorry, I'm not touching that. <laughs> uh, we, I, um, I postulate though that the singer was Frente. It did sound awfully mm, like Frente. Accidentally killed the, the street. Uh, the female mm, from Frente. Yes. Um, can't remember what her name is. I only postulate that. I don't. I don't. Uh, Look, it's yeah. quite possible. I mean, mm. what has she been doing lately? So <laughs> <laughs> she's probably in advertising. There's probably a bit of more money in it than yeah, accidentally well. Kelly Street. And, exactly. Um, and what was the other one? Um, uh, what else does they do? Accidentally, Sydney Road. I, I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't know. No, they had another one. Um, they, they did. They a, did a cover of um, one of the songs from the Archies. Yeah, um, jeez. Um, honey, honey, sugar, sugar, sugar. That one. Yeah, uh, love triangle. Oh, she did that. They did that too. Yes. Oh, that's right. They, were, they look. They've done some good things. I wonder if they're on the inspiration. Let me look. Type up Frente. F R E N. Accidentally, Kelly Street original angels. Oh, ordinary angels. There you go. There's two songs on inspiration mm. from Frente. Uh, we got a tweet from uh, a listener in Southern Maryland, Tony. What? Engineers, the Oompa Loompas of science. <laughs> well, where would Willy Wonka be without the Oompa Loompas? Yeah, exactly. I've been looking a little I mean, orange lately. Short and orange. But. <laughs> it's, is, is that a is that a throwback from um, what's it, Mexico orange? Uh, Oranges. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking the scurvy. The scurvy orange. Uh, no, isn't it Russ? Lack, lack of vitamin C. Does no. scurvy make you orange? No, it makes your teeth bleed, though. Well, <laughs> your gums. All right. Which is sort of an orange, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> if it gets diluted. Uh, all right. We'll go with that. Um, yeah, we'll go with that. Um, we've got the next topic, 11.44. We've got oh. a oh, fly through micronations before we hit the uh, top ten. Are we going to get penalised for not getting through our stories quick enough by the umpire? No. Like cricket? There's nobody. No, nobody, right. nobody comes on after us, so... No, all right, Micronations. Look, mm. this is, um, for people who don't know, Micronations are uh, a small areas of land, and not necessarily land, who um, basically declare themselves independent nations of, of wherever they find themselves. Oh. That would be my quick uh, two-minute um, description. 
find that... Less than two minutes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Very efficient. <laughs> I'm going to have to pat it out. Jeez. Uh, Micronations, sometimes also referred to as modern uh, model countries as in not countries full of models or countries to its... Oh, does that mean I'm a micro-nation? <laughs> <laughs> Are you a model country? Yeah, uh, look, I'm a country of models. You, I have. You, you could build a country out of the models you have in your house. I tend to build a house out of them when I'm homeless. Um, or uh, new country projects are entities that claim to be independent nations or states but which are not recognised by world governments or major international organisations. Some micronations call their countries nomadic countries, especially the ones that have no land or and are based on the internet. So. <laughs> Crazy people. <laughs> um, micronations are also distinguished from imaginary countries uh, and from other kinds of social groups um, by expressing a formal or persistent, even if unrecognised, cl- uh, claim of sovereignty, sovereignty over some physical territory. All right. Now, what sparked my interest or, or mm. the reason why I brought this up on uh, on It's Not Rocket Surgery, earlier this week I read an article about Texas. 90,000... Territory that no one wants. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, because, of, because the Obama uh, administration... Oh, yeah, I'm getting a text. I should have turned that off. Um, eating... Let me just... Let me just read this text. Um, but Wallace is booting up. Um, because the Obama administration have an online petition site where people can actually start their own petition and get people to sign up on it, uh, yeah. sign up to whatever they want. And basically it's it's democracy, true democracy for the people. If you don't like something, start a petition on the site and if it gets 25,000 um, uh, mm-hmm. signatories then it will get a response from the Obama administration. Thank you for your petition. It's duly noted. Ignore. Um, All right. So that that text message was, eating way too many carrots turn you orange. Ah. Beta carotene. So there you go. So we, clearly, engineers, being the Oompa Loompas, eat too many carrots. (laughs) Not. (laughs) They have what now? Carrots. Carrots. (laughs) It's green and orange food. We don't eat that. Um, so, but anyway, uh, so via this uh, vehicle, uh, they started a, um, somebody started a petition that, and there's a whole heap of these, but basically the petition states, peacefully grant the state of, insert state's name, to withdraw from the, from the Union, or United States of America, and create a new government. So most of these get maybe a handful of votes. The one for Texas, mm. in four days, got 89,540 signatories. <laughs> So, um, which basically warrants a, a, a response from the administration. Um, and it's basically got a whole heap of people upset. That, uh, these are not patriots, these people, and they put their name to it. Uh. So they're, they're saying these people should be kicked out of the country, is <laughs> basically getting death threats. It's, it's really gone, really gone. Uh, back, it backfired on the people who put their name to this thing. Um, it also sparked um, some knock-on petitions where um, people started that, uh, petitions to withdraw the city of Austin from the state of Texas. 
and um, and also include a few other cities which are a little bit more uh, liberal, let's say, than the uh, the uh, hyper conservative uh, rural sections of Texas. But that sort of reminded me of uh, something. I, uh, the prince of a micronation called Sealand, the Principality of Sealand. Mm. He died a, a few months ago. Right. Um, oh. I remember seeing that in the news. It was it, it looked. It was big, big time news. Did we send our ambassador? I uh, don't the believe general? so. No, no, no okay. we don't. We don't recognise them. Oh, sorry. No one, no one recognises them. No. no. Oh, actually, well, I'll, I'll get on to that. But the Principality of Sealand is an unrecognised entity located on HM Fort Ruffs, a former World War Two um, Munsell Sea Fort in the North Sea, thirteen kilometres off the coast of Suffolk, England. That'd be an ACAC. They used to probably have anti-aircraft. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, And there are a whole heap of these things, but this particular one happens to be in international waters. Ooh. Hence, Not actually. They, it was in international waters when it was prior built. to England expanding their boundaries. Yes. And they've gone, we're claiming that, and then the, bound, the, um, the, the sea uh, territorial area we increased, and they've gone... We don't care. We're still claiming, but they're actually inside the territorial waters now. But when he when he um, seized it, it was uh, this was yeah, prior, yeah. prior to them expanding the international territory. So, mm. yeah. um, look, and he's basically lived there on and off for, since 1967 until he passed away earlier this year. Um, the guy was Paddy Roy Bates, um, who went by um, uh, Prince or, or Viceroy or something like that, Roy Bates. Um, Major Paddy Roy Bates, and he was a he was a uh, in the military. He loved England, um, but he basically he seized this uh, platform to set up a pirate radio station, <laughs> and then basically uh, decided that wasn't the way to go and set up the uh, Principality of Sealand. Did he talk? Arr, Arr. Arr. <laughs> <laughs> was that a bit too obvious? Wasn't it? Yeah. Maybe we should play that gay pirate song. Um, um. No, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Actually, I could have, I could play some local content. I haven't played any local content today, apart from that Frente song. Yeah, that was <laughs> accidentally <laughs> train station. <laughs> but um, so, other than Sealand, uh, I was looking at um, curious a, a few weeks back. I was wondering, well, what the hell? Um, whether there were any professional football teams in the uh, Channel Islands or any of the uh, Guernsey or whatever. Guernsey or Jersey or any of the, whether they had any EPL or lower league teams. <laughs> I don't know what struck it, what, why I started thinking about soccer in, uh, in, yeah. in the Channel Islands. Yeah. But anyway, I was going through, uh, I found a team on Guernsey and I was going through their, their player list and there was a flag that wasn't English or, or Scottish or, and it was, it was a, the red, white and black flag of Sealand. And I go, oh. so this guy, this player, was an international, well, not international, well, I guess he was international if you recognise Sealand, yeah. <laughs> but he was claiming to be a, uh, a, a Sealandian. <laughs> Seal- How did he take over when he seized? Was it an invasion? Nobody wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> Bloodless invasion, was it? <laughs> he won by the, the two sweetest words in the English language, default. <laughs> Default, but there are a whole heap of these micronations, um, and it, one of the most uh, famous ones here in Australia is called Hut River. It was ah, are they the ones that got done for uh, claiming benefits but not paying tax? I believe so. Yeah. Um, so the Principality of Hut River was founded in 1970 by Leonard uh, Casely um, when da- Leonard Casely declared his property independent after 
uh, after a dispute over wheat quotas. So, and there are a few others. There's, there's one in, which was set up in 1976, the creation of uh, the providence of Bombonga. <laughs> Yeah, uh, rural property near Snowtown. Hey, there's a link. Uh, cool, that's right. um, there's one here in Victoria. Long uh, after a long-running uh, dispute over flood damage, a farm properties led to the creation of the independent state of Rainbow Creek in 1979. Um, and there are a whole heap of them. There's, Why don't we just invade these things? <laughs> there's the Gay and Lesbian Kingdom of Coral Sea Islands, which was established in 2004 as a symbolic. Uh, political protest by a group of uh, gay rights uh, activists based in South East Queensland. Nobody does anything because they don't care. <laughs> Nobody recognises it. It's just like me not setting a, up a threat. Me <laughs> setting up the independent nation of of North Northwest Tullamarine. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares. No, that's <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. So, so your your property is six hundred nine square meters. Well, it happens to be the boundary of your property. It's all right. You just pay your rates. We won't care. It's and it, there's a whole heap of them. And um, one of the other reasons I'm interested in this topic is uh, I'm a bit of a, a flag buff. Oh right, a vex, amateur vexillologist. Yes, <laughs> with pride. Uh, no, <laughs> geek. Geek. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's right. He does like Star Trek. <laughs> I like both. I look. It's not mutually exclusive. Do, do we need to talk about that here? <laughs> don't don't make don't make me get the soundboard out. The Star Wars soundboard out. I get it All out. Right. I'll 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 get that out. I'll go you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it basically gives people the opportunity to make their own coins and flags and and mm-hmm. coat of arms. Look, I'll I'll do it just just for the experience. Yeah. But on that, um, go on. Oh, I just like thinking of. You know, all of these micronations, the big problem with firing them all up or, you know, getting one started is it's, you know, all of the land on Earth is basically claimed by some government or another. Um, and I read several years back, there's actually this tiny little piece, um, it's about 2,000 square kilometres on the border between Egypt and Sudan that neither of those countries want. <laughs> um, it's actually the only piece of unclaimed land on the uh, on the surface of the planet. Right? There's a... Uh, there's two borders, um, one set in, uh, just as I look at it on Wikipedia, one set in 1902 and one in 1899, and they sort of cross, and there's a larger chunk of land near the sea that both of both uh, both Egypt and the Sudan want. And so they both claim whichever border gives them the chunk of land by the sea. And that means there's this little nub of land out in the desert in the middle of nowhere that they both have to refuse any uh, any claim over. So it's like the uh, the one chunk of land that's actually available that no government claims sovereignty over. Um, so if you want to set up your own micronation, uh, you want to head out to uh, the Atawil out in the uh, in the middle of the uh, Sudanese desert. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Ah uh, yes. Look, I'll, I'll have to keep that in mind when the next time I'm out Ethiopia, Sudan way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, are there any chartered boats out there, or you got to get a, you got to get a yeah something? Special? No, you got to you got to trek through the desert. It's got no seafront. Right. And don't you, oh, isn't sorry. it the Janjaweed out there? You know those lovely. You have great neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> Friendly, friendly folk. Uh, uh, mm. Well, that smells stinking wet. <laughs> 
Uh, 11.56, we need to do another station break, we need to do another song. Um, All these things. Uh, before we, we go, yeah, mm. we'll finish off on the on the Mark, uh, Nations. A, a website and, um, that I've been involved, uh, I've had an account for, and uh, sort of my involvement comes every now and then. It's called uh, Nation States, um, run by uh, uh, an Australian called Max Barry, who wrote a, wrote a book, um, Jennifer's Government or something like that. Um but basically, you can set up your own nation, and it 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 uh, proposes dilemmas, or um, you got to pass bills, and people and have like. Uh, uh, let me see if I can log on. Oh, we'll go to station break. We'll come back and we'll briefly talk about nation states before we uh, move on to the top ten. So, uh, station break. Hit play here. And we're back, and uh, yep, I've just found a a uh, song. We're going to play from a local mob called uh, Diafrix. We played a song from them last week called Played Running It. Um, liked it so much, I'm going to play another song from... This is from Eret. Definitely check them out. These guys are from Footscray. Great, great uh, band, Diafrix. And uh, this one's called Easy Come, Easy Go. <sighs> Turn this thing on. Here we go. Anyway, anyway, we digress. Um, Not there's anything wrong with that, but digressing. Digress. No, <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with digressing. Digressing. I used to watch it. it. Used to be a good we're, show, didn't it? We're very digressing. High. We're very oh. tolerant of digression <laughs> here in ninety-eight point nine Northwest FM. It's twelve oh three. Sorry, I should turn Russ back on. Russ, you on? Yep. Sorry, I briefly forgot about you because of the gay power song. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Um, so I was saying, uh, nation states. Ah, incorrect password. It didn't like me. Um, I could probably do it on my phone. Um, there's also a micro wiki, which happened to when I when I posted on on Twitter that I was going to be talking about micro states, my um, micro nations. It uh, retweeted one of those Autobots. Didn't realize. Why would you set up? Uh, an Autobot to retweet anything any time you mention Micronation. So I get Drive it. traffic to your website. I guess in the ads on the website and it is a wiki just all about Micronation. So if anyone's going to set up a Autobot for that reason, it'll be these people. Look, you know, I asked the question, you answered the question. Well done. <laughs> but I didn't think there would be a need or it would exist. But, you know, it's that's the way... That's the way the cookie crumbles nowadays. Let's see, logging into micronations on uh, nation states on my uh, my phone. Um, so yeah, the micro nation micro wiki basically has a whole list of all the uh, micronations: uh, West Arctica, Vikasland, Tolosa, Saboga, Sealand, Molisa, Minerva, Lovely, Lovely Hut River, Contrapublic. This ah, in, in their news feed, they ask the important question about Grunkia. Will Guno King retire from Grunkian <laughs> politics? Oh, that's, that, that's on my mind. I, I, I'll lose sleep <laughs> thinking about that. Oh. And do they give a, a, a reasonable argument, a reasoned argument in terms of what might happen there? Uh, I, I suspect the analysis uh, might not carry the depth of... Uh, uh, won't, ah. We won't find it on a long well, read. The, the Republic is only a year and a half old, so oh, oh. I guess everything's still in flux. <laughs> in flux. 
Um, what, what about the great state of Loserville? Because <laughs> I resided there for a while. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, look, it just didn't really suit me. <laughs> Capital city of Schlepp. <laughs> um, Welcome to Dumpsville population. You. you. Yeah, I've been there a couple of times. <laughs> Right, so look, uh, so nation states again, like I said, uh, run by Max Barry. Um, the I have something called the Commonwealth of Kex, um, where uh, my civil rights are very good for my nation. Economy is strong, and mm. uh, political freedoms are very good. And I'm uh, deemed to be a, a regional. My regional influence is a, a negotiator. I'm located in the Caribbean. Just I'm just there for the weather. <laughs> And um, I'm categorised as an indefensive centralist democracy. Right. So um, what happens is they uh, they give you issues that you have to um, make a decision about. Um, and it would appear that I'm not logged in, so I can't even see the issues. <laughs> I can see my, my nation, but I can't see what's happening. Um, but 24 Who's days... Who's in charge, Vlado, of your nation? If you can't... Who's <laughs> looking after it? I, I, I can't run the government. I'm not logged in. <laughs> a coup. There's going to be a military coup. So, uh, as long as I, I log in and make a decision on one inch issue every 30 days or less, uh, it it doesn't send my... Um, the military doesn't rise up. It doesn't up. send the nation <laughs> from, from... It doesn't send it into the... Um, What's purgatory? There's basically, nations that are inactive to get sent to purgatory oh, right. until you log on again and it comes uh, out of purgatory. So, yeah. uh, I reckon they should open them up to like a military junta or a takeover by yeah, the, sure. of the website. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, no. Um, but there's a whole on the forums and stuff. It it, uh, it goes into you can do all that sort of stuff. You can take over nations. You can take over ooh, regions. Ooh. It, you can set up alliances in, within because they have something. Uh, the an equivalent of the uh, United Nations, and they used to call it the United Nations until they got a cease and desist from the United Nations. <laughs> <Is that right>? <laughs> <laughs> so it's called the World Assembly now, and uh, basically you can put your hand up to be on the World Assembly, and then nations with in your region that are all um, in in the World uh, World Assembly yeah. can endorse other nations, and the the country with the most endorse, endorsements from fellow uh, World Assembly members is deemed to be in charge of that region. And they basically make decisions on behalf of the region. So in terms of votes at the World Assembly, basically gets into the whole political geekery of, of things. I don't in, involve myself in the political geekery. I found myself being uh, being in charge of the Caribbean for for a number of days because somebody disendorsed the, uh, the long-standing... Uh, um, guy in charge, uh. and I go. What the hell do I do with this? I don't. Want, I don't want to vote at the World Assembly. It's, I'm just mucking around here. I just. I just got here for the flags. <laughs> so, so for all the budding Hitlers out there and yeah. Mussolini's, they're, uh, they're a Nazi can, nation. They're a Nazi region, regions. Not Na- <laughs> Nazi. Region. Nazi. Yeah. The, the N word. Yeah. Really. Yeah. It's. It's all. It's all. Open slather. You can do whatever you want. Mm. You can you can run your your country with an iron fist, and you can pass legislation, and you, uh, you can actually make it all peace, love, and mung, mung, bean. mung beans. If whatever floats your boat, you can do it. And if you want to use it as an outlet, if you're really lefty, but you want to see what will happen if you went all right wing, uh. yeah, it's all. 
Do whatever you want. So it's a cyber training ground for <laughs> future dictators. <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay. <laughs> I heard Idi Amin actually cut his teeth <laughs> on, on nation states. <laughs> but anyway. Anyway. Um, maybe we should get into the top ten. It's 12. Let's 10. do that. 10 mm. past 12. It's mm. on this Monday morning. And most of us got jobs to go to tomorrow morning. Well, uh-huh. I, I well, think so. <laughs> I hope so. Um, uh, so, top ten tonight is right. ten bizarre death rituals from around the world. Mm. I thought this tied in nicely with uh, some of the themes of today. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the way we grieve, commemorate and dispose of our dead varies greatly from culture to culture. But some traditions really take funerals to the next level of macabre. Here are ten of the most bizarre death rituals the world has ever known. Uh, Russ, do you want to take hit us off? Yep. So uh, we start with endocannibalism. Uh, for some cultures, the best way to honour the dead is by eating them. Referred to as endocannibalism by stuffy anthropologists, these feasts of the dead are a way to forge a permanent connection between the living and the recently deceased. It's also a cathartic way to express the loathing and fear associated with death and its tragic aftermath. Some anthropologists have suggested that endocannibalism is something the dead would have expected from the living, a final gesture of goodwill to the tribe and family. Though no longer practised, at least that we know of, cultures who have engaged in endocannibalism have included the Melanesians of Papua New Guinea and the Wari people of Brazil. But if you died of a disease, a contagious disease, <laughs> yeah, uh, look, do you yeah. cook? Well, yeah, it depends if you cook. I know. Cook to people. I look, I know, I know there are... Um, Grandma stew or something like that. <laughs> it's a bit, bit grisly. <laughs> <laughs> she was a tough bitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, th- I guess that is a problem. Um, yeah, maybe why. If you like, if you've decided, if you've died of some like parasitic disease of humans, surely the last thing you want, well, if someone you know has died of a parasitic disease of humans, the last thing you want to do is like be going, hey, I could go some of that. <laughs> yes. Thanks, mum. I'm full. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> pass. Thanks, mum. <laughs> yeah, I'll pass. Not, 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 not hungry. Not feeling well. Nothing yeah. beats mum's cooking. <laughs> One hundred eighty degrees. <laughs> um, I don't look. I know the, the uh, cannibals when uh, um, the South Pacific was full of cannibal nations. They they used to refer to white people as uh, long pig. Mm, no, um, white pig. Apparently, that's what people <laughs> taste like. Do you want to do number two? Me? Is that me? Yeah, why not? All right, let's let's get my my reading hat on. Um, You're a reading hat. Glasses do better. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, now you tell me. All right, number two, Tibetan Buddhist celestial burials. Oh, let's see what's going on here. Oh, um, yeah, I'm not. My phone's not nope, doing not really well, but I'll, I'll do the best I can. But why nourish? I suspect this is not the start of the the thing. But but why nourish yourself mm. with the flesh of the recently deceased when you can use it to feed wild animals? That's the start of it. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I agree with this. Such as the thinking of Tibetan Buddhists practice ritual dissection or sky burials. The tradition of chopping up the dead into small pieces and giving the remains to animals, particularly birds, sometimes sometimes the body is left intact, which is not a problem for the advantageous vultures. Advantageous? While this may seem undignified and even a bit disgusting compared to cannibalism. Mm. Anyway. 
Uh, the ritual makes complete sense from a Buddhist perspective. Buddhists have no desire to preserve or commemorate a dead body, something that is seen as an empty vessel. Moreover, in tune with their respected respect for all life, Buddhists see it as the only fitting, it, as only fitting that one's final act, even if committed in proxy, is to have their remains used to sustain the life of another living creature. And in fact, the ritual is seen as a gesture of compassion and charity. Today, over eighty percent of Tibetan Buddhists choose sky burial a ritual that has been observed for thousands of years. Uh, that sounds like an ad on the radio. Today, <laughs> over 80% of Tibetans choose sky burial. It's, it's like, book your sky burial today. Such and such funeral homes <laughs> now offer sky burials. Yeah. Mm. I like that. I mean, I, 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 think I, so I give too. that a thumbs up, I think. Yeah, I, I'd like to be thrown into the tiger cage at Melbourne Zoo. <laughs> Seriously. It's a good way to... After you die? Yeah. Yeah, well. <laughs> you, you didn't specify that. Yeah. Look, I've got it on the logs that you didn't say. I'm in there running around going, oh, I should have told them after I'm dead. Uh, <laughs> yes. Look, I see some merit in that. So I'd rather that than the uh, the first one. Yeah. Um, number three, suspended burials. Uh, I'll tell you about this one later. Ha-ha. <laughs> Get it? Suspended. Suspense. Oh. Oh. Oh, sorry. The mysterious bow people of the Hemp Pond Valley. Mm, something a bit soft Pond. Hemp. <laughs> in uh, southwest China, Gongxian County, flourished for millennia before they were massacred by the Ming Dynasty over five centuries ago. Today, the bow are almost completely forgotten, uh, save from the dramatic hanging coffins that they left behind a haunting array of wooden caskets that extend from the rock face to a height of almost 300 feet. Located just above the Crab Stream, the uh, 160 coffins were placed along the cliffs with, within natural caves, with some, resting on, uh, with some resting on wooden posts that extend out from the cliffside. Uh, the uh, precipice itself features many murals, that are painted with bright cinnabar red colours, many of which depict the lives of the Bow people. Today, the locals refer to the long-lost civilization by such names as Sons of the Cliffs and Subjugators of the Sky. That's romantic. <laughs> but why they inter the dead in this way remains a complete mystery. Well... If they hadn't killed them off completely 500 years ago, maybe we'd know. Yeah. But nobody to blame but themselves. All right. Russ, number four? Uh, number f- yeah, number four. Sati. Though now mercifully banned in India, Sati was a funerary practice in which recently widowed women immolated themselves on their husband's funeral pyre. The custom was seen as a voluntary act, but there were many instances in which women were forced to commit Sati, sometimes even dragged against their will to the fire. I don't know, maybe I'm not surprised by that. (laughs) No one is certain how the ritual got started, but one suggestion is that it was introduced to prevent wives from killing their wealthy husbands, typically with poison, and marry their real mothers. Another possibility is that it was seen as a way for husband and wife to enter into the afterlife together, that they could thwart opportunistic female angels. Interestingly, India was not the first and only culture to adopt the tradition. Other ancient societies that practiced something similar to study included the Egyptians, Greeks, Goths, and Scythians. I don't know. I think there's uh, maybe potentially a little more to that than the uh, 
the options that were presented there, but maybe mm. that's just me. Probably. Oh, look, I mean, there's only so much you can fit in a, into a, a list that you yeah. read on the radio. And imagine, you know, you, you spend 60 years with someone, you think, finally, get away from yeah. it. Yeah. And then she's burned, and then yeah, she turns up in heaven next year. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? Look, I'm not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, you want to do number five? Number five is a good one. No, number five, the Viking funeral. Hindi women clearly had it tough, hmm. but so did the slave girls of Viking noblemen. According to the historic account of Ahmad ibn Fadlan, a 10th century Arab Muslim writer, the ritual following the death of a chieftain was exceptionally brutal. Once dead, a chieftain's body was put into a temporary grave for 10 days while new clothes were being prepared for him. During this time, one of his slave girls would volunteer, in uh, quotation marks, Mm -hmm. volunteer, to join him in the afterlife. She was then guarded day and night and given copious amounts of intoxicating drinks. Sounds like a holiday in Bali. (laughs) (laughs) Once the cremation ceremony got started, the girl went from tent to tent to have sex with every man in the village. As the men were having sex with her, or what today would mm, we would call rape, mm, they would say, tell your master that I did this because of my love for him. <laughs> Following this, the girl was taken to a tent where she had sex with six Viking men, was strangled to death and rope, and finally stabbed by the village matriarch. And for a coup de grace, the bodies of the chieftain and slave girl were placed on board a wooden ship that was set alight. The Vikings did this to ensure the slave girl would serve her master in afterlife. In the afterlife, while the sexual rights were a way to transform the chieftain's life force. Yeah, all sounds a bit dodgy to me, really. Doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like it may have happened, but just all the yeah. Look, I mean, uh, mm. this guy, the uh, the historic account from the uh, Arab Muslim writer. Oh, look, uh, he was just trying to get sales, I reckon. <laughs> Spicy stories. That's sort of, right. Yeah, you know, sex like it up a bit, literally. Fifty mm. Shades of Grey, Viking style. <laughs> Viking style. SWAT team's about to break into the studio and arrest us, but anyway. Um, All right. Mm. Number six. Is this actually a way of dying? Anyway. Ritual finger amputation. Uh as if the death of loved ones wasn't traumatic enough, the Dani people of West Papua, New Guinea, also had to cut off their own fingers. This seemingly severe and incomprehensible ritual applied to any woman related to the deceased, as well as any children. The practice was done to both gratify and drive away the spirits, while also providing a way to use physical pain as an expression of sorrow and suffering. To perform the amputation, fingers were tied tightly with string and then cut off with an axe. The leftover pieces piece was then dried and burned to ashes or stoned, stored, stored in a special <laughs> place. Stonish fingers. Um, the ritual is now banned in New Guinea, but as the image shows above. Uh, the effects of the practice can still be seen in uh, some of the older members of the community. Now, I can see a couple of issues with this. Really? <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't want to come from a large family. No, this is, this is yeah. Well, the individual in the photos 
missing what one two three four five six seven fingerends. Mm. Mm. So yeah, life's getting a bit tough when you. What are you going to toes next? <laughs> Look, you wouldn't want to come from a family of twenty one. <laughs> yeah. I'm just out saying. <laughs> Just, uh, I fully agree with you. Oh, look, just kill me now. <laughs> Before Uncle Bob dies. That's it. I can't handle it. I'd be looking after Uncle Bob day and night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what with your stumps? 12.22. Northwest uh, FM. It's not rocket surgery. Uh, number seven. Okay. Uh, I'll do this one. Okay, yep. Oh, Yeah. Uh, Fama Dihana. Uh, the, I picked the one that I can't pronounce. The Malagas, Malagasy people of Madagascar have clearly never heard the phrase rest in peace. In an effort to hasten decomposition, what's seen as an uh, and crucial, these people don't know how to write. No. You don't put and before crucial. No. It's, a crucial step in the ongoing process of getting the spirits of the dead into the afterlife, the Malagasy dig up the remains of their relatives and rewrap them in fresh cloth. Afterwards, the Malagasy then dance with the corpse around the tomb to live music. As long as live music, we've got to encourage live music. I mean, it's, there's not enough for live music. So maybe we should, should do that here. Get rid of the pokies and, and introduce this to just encourage live music. What's it called again? Fama Dahani Hana. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. yeah. Called Fama Dihana or Turning of the Bones, the ritual has been around for three centuries. One of the local Christian churches are doing their best to stamp it out. Literally? Stamp? Is it like uh, stomp? That's part of the dance. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Gungam style, <laughs> Madagascar style. <laughs> Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> All right, Russ, number eight. Uh, number eight, uh, mortuary totem poles. Uh, totem poles are a fixture of the American Northwest and the higher people. But there's more of these icons than meets the eye. Normally, the remains of a deceased hider were thrown into a mass pit where they were scavenged by animals. Uh, call back to the sky barrels there. Mm. Uh, but the series of events following the death of a chief, shaman or warrior were considerably more intricate. In those cases, the body would be crushed to a pulp with clubs so that it could fit into a small wooden box the size of a suitcase. Following that, the box would be placed atop a special mortuary totem pole in front of the deceased longhouse where the icons acted as guardians, the spirit's journey of the afterlife. Visiting missionaries were often taken aback by the practice, mostly on account of the lingering smell. That would do it. I'm thinking the mafia probably adopted some of this. (laughs) Putting in suitcases, mashing up bodies. Yeah, yeah, I think they. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's what happened to Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> He's in a suitcase on a Titan pulse. <laughs> All right, uh, John. Yes, number nine. Number nine. Australian Aboriginal mortuary rites. Mortuary. The best part of an Aboriginal death ritual is that family members kept on, get to keep a souvenir afterwards. Yeah, show bag as well. <laughs> Namely, the bones of the deceased. Following the demise of a family member, the body was placed atop a raised platform and covered with leaves and branches where it was left to decompose. Oh, excuse me. A process that often took months. In some cases, the liquid from the decaying corpse was collected and rubbed over the bodies of young men to pass on the good qualities of the deceased person. 
After the bones were retrieved and painted with red ochre, or ochre, the bones were then either placed in cave, in a cave perhaps, or inside a hollowed-out log. And in some cases, they would be worn by relatives for up to a year. Some tribes also refused to utter the name of the deceased and completely disregard any property they left behind. The entire ritual was was a way to ensure a way to ensure that the ego component of the deceased spirit didn't get too comfortable hanging out with the living. <laughs> hey, dude, you're not wanted here. <laughs> it reminds me of that uh, New Zealand transport uh, commercial. You know I can't eat your ghost chips, bro. Ghost chips. Ghost chips. I can't remember that one. Look it up. Look up oh, ghost chips. Ghost chips, right. We'll do. Dum, 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 dum. All right, number 10. This one. Russ's. Yeah, Russ has just texted me. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, all right, looks like we've lost Russ. Russ, you there? No. I've been Russ. Over. Uh, just can't hang up on. Ooh. Guess I'm out. Oh, ten twenty-six. That's oh, what the. Go to a quick song and get him back. Oh, I'll, I'll read number ten and all. We'll... All right, let's do that. Zoroastrian uh, funeral. Zoroastrians uh, have a thing with dead bodies. They what they see as something that defies everything. It t- that defiles everything it touches. Uh, whether it's on, uh, whether it be on the ground, clothes, people, even fire. The funeral gets off. To a rousing start by having the corpse cleanse an unconsecrated bull's urine. <laughs> which, how's it different to normal bull's I urine? I don't know. Mm. Which can only be done by specially trained members of the community. Mm. Once clean, the corpse is laid in linen and visited twice by the Sagdid, a dog that can cast away evil spirits. After mourners visit the corpse, uh, touching is strictly forbidden. It is placed on top of the Dachma, or Tower of Silence, when the, where the Zoroastrians remove the clothes using tools. The clothes are later, disp- the, are later disposed of as uh, they have been defiled. Following this, the body is quickly devoured by vultures. The entire ritual is done in a way to ensure the minimal amount of harm and injury to the living. It's nicer than to consider the living. Yeah, it's pretty hygienic. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Uh, we'll go. To, we'll go to a quick song just mm. to uh, so we can ring Russ up to say goodbye, <laughs> and um, we'll be back in a in a minute or so. Uh, make sure this is up. Let me hit this one. And we're back, and we've got Russ back. Right. Oh, be back on the <laughs> Sorry about that. I think it times out after two hours. <laughs> so, live and learn, you know. But that takes us, brings us to the end of the show anyway. We've done the top ten, we've done our, all the stuff that we wanted to talk about. And it's 12.30, so uh, the stream's about to uh, stop recording at home. Um, um. But yes, but uh, look, we're going to call it a night. A big thank you, John. Oh, no worries. Thank you, Russ, for, for uh, both of you co-hosting. Man, I was just phoning it in. <laughs> Literally <laughs> and figuratively. And look, I'm phoning, phoning it in from the studio. Um, and a big thank you to our listeners and people who, who contributed via Facebook or by Twitter. Uh, 
or on the SMS. We had a few SMSs. So big thank you to all of you out there listening. Um, we wouldn't be a show without you. Uh, Very true. <laughs> but uh, uh, hopefully the podcast will be available for those who didn't catch us. Hello from the past. Hello future. Um, but uh, with that, we'll say actually cue up a song before I do anything. Um, I'll cue up that one. I don't know what it is. Take me back to your house by Bassmaster Jax. That'll do. We'll cue it up and uh, we'll say uh, au revoir. Thank you very much. Ciao. Good evening to all. See you, Russ. See you. Bye.